Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hi there, and Happy New Year. Um, Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving with Parents, our, at home, our first web-based radio program of 2011. And as I said on our educators program yesterday, um, the real-world commentary that I'll be posting on uh, the newly revised Lives in the Balance website has a New Year's resolution attached to it, and uh, you'll have to read it. Um, I think I can finish it in the next day or two, and then I'll post it. But uh, it's a it's a New Year's resolution um, uh, related to, well, the New Year's resolution is to stop pathologizing challenging kids. It takes two to tango. And making it sound like the problem resides within the kid and that it's the kid who needs to be fixed is not the best way to help kids. Uh, before we bring our parents' panel on, yes, today is Parents' Panel Day, the most exciting collaborative problem-solving-at-home program of the month. Um, we'll bring our parents' panel on. I'm seeing that we have two of our panel members. Two are still not with us yet, but um, I'll bring the two that we have on momentarily. I just want to talk briefly about that revised Lives in the Balance website. Um, boy, uh, I've been talking about this, these revisions for the last two or three months. They are finally live, and there are so many things that you could be doing. Don't worry, all of your old favorites are still there. You might have to search a little to find them, but the site is actually better organized than it was before. Um, but um, there are lots of ways now, and they will be expanding over time, for you to get involved and advocate on behalf of challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers, Um, among the features that I'm just going to mention briefly because today really is Parents' Panel Day, um, there's care packages. If you know a principal or an assistant principal or a superintendent or a mayor who needs to learn about, or a governor, who needs to learn about collaborative problem solving, we'll Lives in the Balance will send them a care package. You'll have to pay for it. It's $30. And it's not tax deductible yet because Lives in the Balance is only in the midst of applying for tax-exempt status. But Lives in the Balance will send a copy of The Explosive Child, a copy of Lost at School, five copies of the Plan B flowchart, five copies of the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, an article from Educational Leadership, and a letter from me. And, of course, it's anonymous from you. You just care enough 
to make sure that other people hear about collaborative problem solving. Send them a care package. That's on the Lives in the Balance website. Another new feature is the Tell Your Story section of the Lives in the Balance website. What I've learned, I've been in this business a while now, is that uh, there is a lot of pain out there and a lot of very poignant stories about living with and teaching and trying to raise a child with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. The Tell Your Story section is your chance to tell your story. And uh, my hope for that section of the website is that it will just be a very poignant section, letting people know how difficult it can be, but in doing so, letting people know who visit the website, they're not alone, and that there is hope. And those are just two of the new features on the Lives in the Balance website, but if you want to get involved in helping out and helping spread the word about who challenging kids are and how we can help them better. By golly, the Lives in the Balance website is the uh, place to get that done. Uh, so visit the new website. You do have to do your fresh re- – if you've been on the Lives in the Balance website before, you have to refresh your browser to see it in all of its uh, new glory. Um, and there I go again, forgetting to turn off my cell phone. Uh, bad habit. Sometimes I remember. I remember for the educators uh, program yesterday, but uh, not for the parents program today. Sorry about that. Now it's off. That won't happen again. Let's bring on our parents panel. Today is parents panel day. I just had to put in a plug. Uh, we've got Susie on the phone with us. Susie, how are you today? Good, Dr. Green. Happy New Year. Same to you. Thanks. And for um, I think that this is Peter we have on with us. Am I right? Yes. Happy New Year, Dr. Green. How are you, Peter? I'm fine, thank you. And our other two parents panel members uh, are not on yet, and given that they are now uh, six minutes late, it, it could be that it's just the three of us today. That's okay. Um, how are you both doing? We're doing all right. Good. Either of you have anything, uh, this is going to be the uh, new feature on our both our educators and parents program, uh, for me to ask the panel if they have anything on their mind to start the program, anything you've run into in the last month since our last parents panel um, that you wanted to bring up on the program before I throw at us a uh, few emails that I thought could get the conversation going today. Either of you want to start the program with any themes or concerns? I I could. Uh, Susie, would you like to go first? No, that's okay, Peter. Thanks. Well, uh, We have a very polite parents panel, but go ahead. (laughs) Last last month we talked about um, viewing uh, what we considered potentially disrespectful behavior in terms of lagging skills, and this this month I I really tried to do that. Um, so when when my child was having trouble saying things in a way that we would consider acceptable, um, rather than get upset about it and, and react to it, we just tried to um, keep things very low key and um, try to view first of all view him as being not skilled at taking maybe other people's concerns or perspective into account, and then um, later bringing it up as a concern later. And and it it has improved things quite a bit. Um, he is starting to show more, uh, co- well, more consideration for other people. My, this is my older son, and, and uh, um, I, I think this is the, the right way to go. Uh, we've seen some 
potentially more new behaviors that have come up. Um, Always. But, <laughs> but, but that, that is, uh, we're beginning to make progress in that area. Outstanding. You know, this came up with a family that I work with recently. And um, the point I made to them is, and I don't know if this is the case in your family or not, but the point I made to them is disrespect what we, the, the, the behaviors that we refer to as disrespect. Um, I have trouble viewing them as occurring in a vacuum. Sometimes they do in a, occur in a vacuum, but often they don't occur in a vacuum. Often they occur in the stream, in the ongoing stream of an interaction with an adult. And the point I made to this particular family, the parents, was yes, in some instances, well, actually in no instances, um, the disrespect of the kid, whatever, whatever disrespect means, occurred after the parents made a request and the kid balked at the request. And then the parent usually kicked in with, you know it, plan A. So no disrespect yet, probably, but the disrespect is actually now third or fourth in the sequence of events. First came a parental request, and the parental request is usually occurring over an unsolved problem that is highly predictable, Let's pretend it's take a shower. Then comes the kid balking, not necessarily in a disrespectful way, but perhaps just, I don't want to do that right now. Now, some people would call that disrespect, but um, I would call it low on the disrespect scale. Ah, we have um, our third parents panel member who has joined us. How are you, Kristen? I'm fine. How are you? Sorry for my tardiness. No worries. Um, we don't we don't uh, give demerits for tardiness on this program. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not an it's not a Ross imposed consequence program. In fact, um, on this program, we usually uh, view adult imposed consequences with some level of disdain. So you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank we, you. We will at some point during the program. It is conceivable that we will turn to our attention to the lagging skills or unsolved problems. Uh, that set in motion your tardiness, but my bet is that we won't have time for that either today. <laughs> so uh, uh, um, I'm going to keep going uh, uh, with, with what I was saying. Then the adult kicks in with plan A. You must take a shower. You must brush your teeth. You must stop watching TV. You must get off your video game. Then comes the disrespect on the part of the child. I hate you. Um, I don't have to do what you say. And now now we're sort of moving into disrespectful territory. But notice that disrespect is fourth. It's, it's fourth in the sequence. And it's occurring in response to plan A. And plan A is being done in response to an unsolved problem that is probably highly predictable, the likelihood that this is the first time the kid has balked at taking a shower or that this is the first time that the kid has balked at um, getting off the TV or brushing his teeth, slim and none. So it's hard for me to view, as I was telling these parents recently, hard for me to view disrespect outside of the context of what sets the disrespect in motion in the first place. Lagging skills, 
mm-hmm. demands for those skills, and dealing with a highly predictable unsolved problem emergently, often through use of Plan A. Kind of puts us, kind of puts disrespect in a different light, I find. Peter, does any of that resonate? Yes, that's very helpful. Although what, one of the new things that we're starting to see is that when we make um, a request as the starting point and then um, maybe my son doesn't want to do that request, we're finding that his response in the second step where he where he responds to us has gone up in intensity. The balking has, has gone up in intensity. We're not sure why. It's, it's, well, it's not, usually, usually our, our request is is quite neutral and low key, but the the response is disproportionate to that um, request. Interesting, and it has gone up. We, uh, we'd have to ask him. This sounds like grist for the Plan B mill. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and it would, <laughs> it would probably start with the words. Um, I've noticed that when we and I might, I might want to use a specific example just so that it's specific enough for him to sink his teeth into it. Okay. And, and this is just a little bit of an instruction here, not specifically for you, but this is a good opportunity for me, me to – and truth is I want to talk less on these parents' panels, so I'm going to try to stop talking. But, you know, you get something in my head, I have to say it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could start with a rather vague unsolved problem, and it would sound like this. I've noticed that when we've asked you to do things lately, you've been getting more upset about it. What's up? That would and work I would for call me. That a, what's that? That would work. That that sounds like it would um, elicit a, a discussion. I, I think you okay. would, would go for and, that. And if, if that would, then fantastic. But some kids need us to be even more specific than that because they might look at us and say something along the lines of, I don't know what you're talking about. Not that they wouldn't be so rude about it most of the time. They would just look at you and go, I don't know, or they'd be silent. And that's sometimes a sign that the kid is having difficulty connecting what we're asking for information about with his experience, in which case, and if that happens with your son, I would recommend that you pick a specific request that has occurred recently, and I'll make one up. Well, well, tell us a specific request that he's blocked at recently. This morning, we asked him to um, get ready so that we could go to school. Got it. It's a uh, new year. It's, you know, the routine has been changed, and um, we just came back from a flight just the other day, and it's time time to go to school. So if we don't start getting ready soon, we'll be late. And that's kind of how we presented it. Got it. So here's a more specific example of the unsolved problem that I left rather vague in the first example. I've noticed, I noticed that this morning when we asked you to start getting ready for school, now I'm being much more specific. Now it's not just requests in general, but this request in, in particular. You got rather upset. What's up? Now that would be, for most kids, that would be specific enough for the kid to then in his head say, connect it with his experience. Now we're not just talking about requests in general, but a specific request in particular. And some kids have an easier time providing us with information. Of course, that's what we're looking for in the empathy step. They have an easier time providing us with information when we connect what we're asking about with their own experience. So just a good example. Um, but I am looking forward, perhaps in the next parents panel, of course, if you're a parents panel member, you can always call in during the rest of the month, to hearing about what you learn 
because that's what the empathy step is about, um, what information you gather from your son over why he's getting upset when requests are made of him lately. It, it could turn out that you are dealing with several specific unsolved problems. You'll find out. Okay. Susie, anything on your mind, or Kristen, anything on your mind this morning? Um, I actually do, <laughs> but um, one of the people that's involved is at my house today, so I would be happy. <laughs> um, I would be happy to share it at another time, um, and it. You know, maybe it could just help one family, um, and I guess that's all I can say without going into specifics at this time. Understood. But it was an interesting conversation. We would love to hear about it. Now you've now you've got us intrigued. Now everybody that's who's right. listening now is <laughs> yeah. definitely going to tune in for next week's parents panel. Either that. <laughs> Or, or next month's parents panel, either that or we now have to get you to call in next week even though it's not the parents panel. That's right. Uh, it so, might need a couple of weeks because that's when they go back to school. Ah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you're still out of school. Well, colleges. Mm. Ah, colleges. Mm-hmm. Different, different schedule. Yeah. Good. You've got us intrigued. We can't wait to hear about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kristen, anything on your mind this morning that you wanted to raise for the parents' panel before I turn to our emails? Um, uh, I could I could throw something in here. Um, with with my particular son, um, we are we're turning a a, a bit of a corner. Um, he is going to be ten, and uh, we are seeing we he's always had a lot of anxiety, of course, but. Um, we are now seeing um, what we truly believe is more of a depression um, in him, and that has really changed the game um, in, in terms of, well, everything, but uh, it definitely in terms of how he reacts to things, boy, it has completely changed. It's, it's no longer a uh, an explosive meltdown in terms of the anger that we used to see. It's now a sobbing um can't get out of being fixated on one thing or another and, and he's just in a real negative space. It's uh it's been a, quite a challenge of late. Uh so I'll throw that out there. <laughs> um not real sure where to go. We're we're working on that, but uh that's where we're at right now. Well and so what the only I don't know your son, um so um, hard for me to uh, weigh in here on what could be going on. What oh, does sure. occur to me is that some kids, and believe it or not, this is sometimes a sign of improvement, although I don't know if that would be the case in your son. depends a little bit on what is being referred to as depression looks like. Mm-hmm. But in some kids, it's actually a, a sign of improvement that they are moving from responding to frustration and unsolved problems by exploding but and instead respond with crying. I crying would say that 
true for him, certainly on some levels. Yep. <laughs> crying, well, for most adults, not, not all, and this doesn't really matter, most adults would say that crying is preferable. If a kid is going to respond maladaptively to an um, unsolved problem, most folks, in my experience, would rather have the kid crying than exploding. Sure. Even though crying can be part of exploding, but you know, there's a lot of things that go along with people with a kid exploding: destruction, swearing, screaming, uh, hitting. Um, that uh, crying would be a welcome relief. And so it's sort of interesting. Sometimes when a family that I'm working with comes in and says, uh, "We've got something interesting going on here. He's not really exploding so much anymore." When he gets frustrated now, he starts to cry. And my frequent response to that is, outstanding. Mm. But it Wait. depends a little bit on um, how much he's crying, how yeah. what specific features of what you're calling depression are, whether crying has taken the place of exploding. That would um, be th- Those would be some of the things that I would look to as it relates to, um, is this improvement or is this just a uh, different... Um, and not necessarily improved version, or is this something completely different than what we were dealing with before? Hard mm-hmm. for me to weigh in on that without knowing him sure. better. Sure. We we have seen tremendous growth um, with him. We've been doing this for many years now and have seen, uh, you know, gone through many changes. Um, and I would say his ability to you know, handle change, uh, be more flexible, that he has grown leaps and bounds um, with that. Um, but there definitely is now, it's not just the crying. I mean, there definitely is an element of uh, a depressive element for him at the moment. So I, there's it, there's twofold. I, I understand what you're saying, and I would totally agree um, that it's taken a turn in some respects, in the right direction, and in other respects, we need to address something else that's going on for him. So, Got it. Yeah. And, and, I mean, something that I've been teaching my students these days is that the term depression um, is a little too vague for me to say mm-hmm. my teeth. So I know that it's a, you know, it's a diagnosis, but like most diagnoses, I find that the diagnosis, and you're not saying that he's been diagnosed as depressed, you're just using it in a more casual way. I, but, yeah, it's beyond anxiety. It's beyond some of the other things. It it feels more more yeah more depressive. Which um, and by that well. you mean sad and forlorn. Sad, forlorn. The 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 stress level. You know, not sleeping at all for hmm. days and days on end. Um, fixated with. Uh, you know, completely overwhelmed by school, even more so, and and, and just this sadness and negativity, even in friends right now, um, hmm. he's just not finding the good in much. <laughs> and you've now persuaded me that although some things are improved, that sounds like a new uh, thing in your son that is very much worth following up on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the not sleeping and the increased sadness, even with friends, right. you've got me convinced that uh, that's something you'll want to yeah. certainly follow up on and not view solely as an improved version of exploding. Thank you. Yeah, and we're here. We're hearing you know we're hearing lots of terms you know like I don't deserve to be on the earth and 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 this isn't in meltdown form. This is. <clears throat> A genuine in, in reflective sad form. Yeah, 
yeah. Got it. So, yeah, you'd, you'd want to follow up on that for sure. Yeah. Um, by the way, and I didn't say this at the beginning of the program, so my bad, um, just because we have the parents' panel on today does not mean that other calls are not welcome. So if you do have a question or comment, uh, the phone number is 347-994-2981. Um, the, the parents' panel is just as much for everybody who listens to the program as I am on the days that we don't have the parents' program. So um, do feel free to call in, uh, ask questions, get the support you need. If you're not a caller in and would rather email, uh, I do keep my email open during the entire program so that if somebody emails during the program, we can keep it current and um, respond to people through that mechanism as well. So um, what I thought we would do here is um, turn to an email that I received fairly recently, um, and let's see what the parents' panel uh, has to offer on this because um, some of you I know have been in this situation, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear you all weigh in on this, but here's the email. I have a six-year-old boy with ADHD. We are struggling trying to manage his behaviors, and nothing seems to be working. I'm starting to reread The Explosive Child because when I read it about a year ago, I couldn't get my husband on board with it. My question is, how do I get my husband to accept this type of parenting solution when he thinks that my son is just trying to be bad? Oh. I know that I know that my son is not doing things on purpose to get in trouble and be naughty, but my husband is not. It seems my child just cannot control himself at times and requires a lot of patience, which my husband does not seem to have when it comes to my son. Thank you for your help. Parents panel, you're on. Who's taking this Who one? wants to weigh in first? <laughs> I'd be happy to. Um, Interesting. Um, in our home, the bottom line is both parents care very much for their child and want only the best. However, and I think it's 10 years now, uh, the parents have very different child-rearing philosophies, which uh, can make for incredibly interesting discussions. And so I'm not sure that you can totally win your significant other over. Um, I think it's important to, you know, it's not a one-time conversation, that's for sure. And I think you um, keep talking about how conventional wisdom just isn't getting the job done, and, and your main priority is to change his lenses. I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but um, I think once you're able to do that, um, everything else falls into place rather smoothly. It, you hit your bumps, certainly, um, but I think I think the point um, when Dr. Green says, you know, being responsive to the hand you've been dealt, hmm. you, you have 
a um, challenging child, and what usually works for a lot of kids just is not going to get the job done on this one. And so it it takes an enormous amount. Not only do you have your challenging child, but you also have your challenging significant other. And, um, you know, it just takes a lot of patience and and energy and a lot of time talking and talking and more talking because it's um it's a difficult situation something that helped us uh and and continues to tremendously um our son is he's a therapist and for us as a couple to check in with that therapist. Now, I don't mean just mean 10 minutes. I mean an actual, you know, we have a session. Um, sometimes when we're either going off course or, a, you know, a refresher, a reminder, a, a practice session, if you will, um, that that really seems to bring us closer together and, and more on board with how to collectively help our son and our whole family. Um, that that has made a tremendous difference for us. Throw that out there. And that's a very good point, that if you can, to have an outsider, a neutral person, be there and help sort of steer the boat and stay on course, I think. You're absolutely right. I'm struggling Lots with this folks. one as well. Oh, go ahead, Peter. Sorry. Oh, I, I, this issue of um, getting the spouse on board is something that I, I'm struggling with as well. Um, one of the things that I found that doesn't work is to try to, um, when when my spouse is using Plan A in a challenging situation, is to try to talk. Uh, what doesn't work is when I talk too much. Mm. I, it, it, that just doesn't work. Uh, that's not the time to bring up Plan B, by the way. It's I agree with that 100%. It. Yeah, you do it proactively, and you chip away a little bit at, at specific unsolved problems. I think the same approach would work with the child as with the, the spouse who may have problems being flexible or, or may not have the right lenses on. It's just not the right time to do it when they're when they're upset. Well, by the way, we do have a caller, and I want to let the caller know that we're going to bring you on the air momentarily just so that you know that we're not ignoring you. Um, one of the things, Susie, that you were saying, uh, being responsive to the hand you've been dealt, mm-hmm. where I thought you might be heading there, is the other hand that you've been dealt. Uh, the the only difference is it's not the hand you've been dealt, it's the hand you chose. Mm-hmm. Um, your co-parent. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you know, sometimes when we are choosing uh, spouses and that will become co-parents, um, we we know them for who they are without children. We don't always know what they're going to look like once we are blessed <laughs> with those bundles of joy. Mm-hmm. And that's not always, uh, you know, first of all, that's not even a major consideration frequently when people are choosing a spouse. But no. secondly, it's not always easy to tell. Uh, it's, first, it's not often what's on your mind, first of all. But um, you've been dealt another hand and um, sometimes people who are really enthusiastic about collaborative problem solving, 
whether it's in a spousal relationship or whether they're trying to help people in their school do it or, you know, in a facility do it, mm-hmm. they're there, and they sometimes lose track of how long it took them to get there, but they're there, and they have the expectation that their spouse or colleague or workmate will get right up to speed with them mm-hmm. while losing sight of the fact that it took them a while to get up to speed themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're so also doing just, it. What's that? And they're also if you're if you're trying to get a school on board or you're doing it. I mean, you're you're living it. You're doing it. It's it's twenty four seven essentially. So, um, it, you know, in terms of getting us when getting on board, uh, you're in the throes of it while you're trying to see someone else's perspective and just you know taking baby steps towards it. So it's it's tough, but that's another. I just wanted to make the point that your kids are not the only hand you've been dealt. Your significant other is the other hand you've been dealt, and um, it's important to be responsive to them and their concerns, and perhaps even uh, their particular lagging skills as well. We, we've got to, you know, it's it's the total package here. It's not just the kids who we are trying to understand. It's the it's the significant other and where they're coming from. And um, the only other point that I wanted to make is sometimes we view parenting through the Ward and June Cleaver lenses. And, you know, having grown up on Leave It to Beaver, and I know I'm dating myself here, um, I'm worried that some of our listeners to this program don't even know who Leave It to Beaver is (laughs) or was. Wow. Um, You know what? There was a movie that came out a few years ago. I think you're fine. Those movies, even though they tend not to be very good, are helpful in this particular way, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Ward and June didn't disagree very often, and when they did, boy, um, you barely knew that there was even a disagreement between them. And I think that a lot of people have that set of lenses, uh, that perspective when they're they're going at this. And, um, you know, even in the Ward and June Cleaver days, it was, you know, Ward pretty much, uh, although June uh, often – you know, had her way of persuading Ward to be a little softer. Back in those days, even the roles were a little bit clearer, or at least appeared to be so. Um, people pretended that they were clearer at the very least. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, but you know, when we view Ward and June as the holy grail of how parents are supposed to work together, um, I think that that makes it even harder, especially when, in our particular spousal relationship, um, we don't have Ward and we don't have June. And it certainly gets a whole lot uglier than it did between Ward and June. So just some perspective there that um, this is hard. And having a challenging kid in your household compounds it exponentially. That's exactly right. And and mm-hmm. frequently, you know, I you are in crisis mode. I mean, this this it's not just the child; it's a family problem, but. It's it's sometimes very difficult to think clearly in the midst of all this chaos and crisis. I find that parents of not so challenging kids can get away with not seeing eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Par- sure. Parents of behaviorally challenging kids, it gets ugly quickly when parents don't see eye to eye. I think I should bring on our caller. We only have nine minutes left in the program. And um, it's cool that we have a caller on our parents' panel today. And here we go from area code 914, and that's the only identifying information I'm going to give just so 
our caller knows, and for some reason, the technology. Uh, here we go. Uh, caller, you are Hi, can on you hear me? with our parents panel. We can hear you great. Okay, fine. Um, I have a minor unsolved problem. I was just interested in some input. Um, Sun takes is starting a tennis program on Saturdays with people from his school. One of the children needs a ride to get there. It would literally be five minutes out of our way. I didn't even consult my son. I just said, of course, we'll share the responsibilities. My son hears this and says, absolutely not. At first, I'm getting angry because I can't believe we can't drive five minutes out of our way, but I did calm myself down, listen to his explanation. Good for you. Apparently, and this kind of shocks me how truly rigid he is, our, the, the tennis courts are literally down the block from our house. Even five minutes out of our way is five minutes too much for my son because it's really not a direct line. What he said to me was if we lived on the road of the school, he would have no problem stopping to pick up another child, but we don't. So he's being asked to go out of his way, and he can't do that. And I really now believe him. It's not he doesn't like the child. It's not that he wants to be mean. But I'm asking him to do something that's not a straight line. I, I got. Wow. I was just shocked. But anyway, that's what I have. I said, okay, can we come up with a compromise? He said, no, we can't. If you ask me to pick this child up, I will not go. And I know enough there that I have to kind of just stop because I have to now think. I said to him, okay, so if I do it your way, you get 100% of what you want, but I don't get what I want. I got it. I think I said something like I have to think about this a little bit more. And that's where I am now. Well, if our parents' panel doesn't mind, I think I'll weigh in first here. Are you ready? Go ahead. Ready. I'm just going to tune up the plan B a little bit. Okay. This is what I do with with everybody who has tried a plan B. And, yes, um, this is a pretty striking example of, if the, if, using your description, of rigid thinking. Yes. But, and I'm going to take each step one at a time. Uh, good, good for you for believing him. That, uh, that's, that's first of all. And by the way, good for you for calling in and, and sharing the story. And thank you for not using any identifying information. Um, I'd like to hear more. And maybe you... Uh, Maybe you gave us the edited version of the empathy step. But I'd like to hear more about the straight line issue. Because the more we hear about it, the more wiggle room we have on potential solutions. I gave this example to um, a mom last night. I said to her... um, Let's say that the unsolved problem with me was I didn't like what you gave me for lunch. And she said, I've noticed you didn't like what I gave you for lunch. What's up? And I said, I don't like bologna sandwiches. And we left the empathy step at that point, and we moved on to the mom's concern. 
there's an outstanding example that there's an ex- outstanding possibility that there's a whole lot more than just bologna sandwiches I don't like. But now our solution is constrained by the limited information that we gathered in the empathy step. Okay. C- can I, I jump in sure. here? Yep. I, I, I did give you an edited version, and I tend to think I can do empathy, and I said I understand you like to do things efficiently. And this has sort of always been the case with him. If we're driving somewhere, he wants to go from point A to point B. He does not want to stop off at Dunkin' Donuts, stop off here, stop off there. It's point A to point B. Our house to the tennis courts is a straight line. Nowhere do we go near this child's house, even though it's just a few minutes away. Mm-hmm. So, it but, is and not still... efficient to my son's way of thinking. Got it. And I would just want to flesh out efficient even further. I mean, I, I think we may. you might be right. We do have it. And quite frankly, he's got a legitimate concern here. Efficient is usually a straight line. Then comes your concern. What was your concern? I guess the I, the way I stated it to my son, which thinking afterwards probably wasn't accurate, I said this mother had asked me, and I wanted to help her out. She had done all the arranging for getting this tennis program together, and I thought we needed to bear some responsibility. And right. I guess just being a good neighbor. What, what would you rather have said? Because what we're really asking your son to do is be a little less efficient because there's this other need out there on the part of another person. Right. What, right. Would you, how would you read, and I don't know, maybe that's not something your son's so good at, and maybe efficiency trumps somebody else having a need in your son's mind, but that's what we're trying to do in collaborative problem solving. We're not only trying to solve problems, we are trying to teach skills. How would you want to put your concern in a way that you think your son would actually resonate with? Because he may not resonate with we should do our share or we should... He doesn't Whatever resonate you said with may that. not have resonated with him. What's that? He doesn't. What I thought, though, he might be able to understand is he doesn't resonate with that, but I resonate with that. Okay. I don't think I can change him, but I could maybe make him appreciate that I think differently. I do resonate with that, and he can get some of what he wants, and I can – can we come up with a compromise? I won't be getting what I want all the time. He won't be getting what he wants all the time but we both have to give a little on this one issue. And that's the last part that I would probably tune up a little bit. I might, and you know, maybe you've been calling it a compromise all along. I, I've moved in the direction of calling it a solution. Okay. And it's less about how we're going to each get some of what we want. Okay. And more about how we're going to solve this problem. And I begin my invitations these days with, I wonder if there's a way. I wonder if there's a way to, and then I put his concern on the table, which, and as it stands right now, it would be, I wonder if there's a way for us to get to tennis efficiently, but still help out this family that needs our help getting their son to tennis. 
And now we're actually not talking about a compromise. And there may actually not be a way for us to both get what we want per se, but there might be a way for us to solve this problem in a way that works for both of us. So I might tune that up just a little bit. And on that note, I want to thank you for calling in today because we are on the verge of running out of time on our parent panel for today. I want to thank Susie, Kristen, and Peter for being a part of this again. This is truly my absolute favorite uh, collaborative problem-solving at home program of every month. Thank you for what you bring to the program, and I look forward to doing this again next week. Thank you, Dr. Green. Thank you, Rock. Thank you. For those of you who've been been listening, thanks for listening in yet again. Uh, I'll be back next week, but without the parents' panel, I'm back every week to answer your questions and give you the support you need. We'll talk to you next time.